0: Good morning. We're going to dig into some scripture in the book of Acts this morning. So glad to be with you all here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Would you say a prayer with me as we begin? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pause and say once again, thank you for the hospitality of this school, that they have hosted us again so that we can worship you in this space. So we take a moment, God, and we pray for your shalom peace over this whole school. We imagine tomorrow morning, the hustle and bustle of kids coming in and teachers and administrators and all the folks who make this place go, we pray for peace over them. We pray for these children that come as students that they would tomorrow in some small way be encouraged that you have created them, that they are unique, that you have put gifts in them that no one else has. And that they would grow and be encouraged and feel loved and valued tomorrow in this school, Sheridan School. We pray for their mission and their work uh, and your presence over it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So over the last few weeks, we've been in a conversation that's called Why Church? We've been asking this question, Why Church? Which I think is such a great question, and many, many people are asking that right now. Whether you've been part of a church before or maybe you're considering being part of a church you're kind of wondering to yourself yeah why why are people doing this why are we doing this um what what's the reason what's the value of being engaged in a church so we're going to continue that conversation today i don't know if you're like uh my own experience of this but i can think back over my life and it feels kind of roller coastery on this question like at some points in my life i've just been mad at church and sick of it and quit for a while and at other points i think man the church is the greatest thing in the world. Like, it's amazing what churches can do when they're when they're living into the thing that God's called them to do, and, and kind of everywhere in between. And so wherever you are on this question, whether you're on one end of the spectrum or the other or in the middle, we're having this conversation. We want everybody to feel honest. They can be honest about where they're at. Some of the questions that I've heard people asking in this conversation over the last weeks are, you know, why would I do church? What's the point of church if if I can just express my spirituality on my own, you know, what? why do I need an organization to do that? I can do it myself. Or wh- why church, uh, when the church, Big C Church, has done so much hurt and harm in the world? And maybe people who are, I'm close to have had really bad church experiences don't want to have anything to do with it. I just spoke to a friend this week who said, yeah, this person that I'm close to, she wants nothing to do with it because of how the church is treated Uh, the community that she's from that's a lot of people why church when there are so many other demands on my time i just want to sleep in and then go to brunch and pretend to zoom in or something or maybe you think why church when there are so many other ways to find purpose and meaning in my life why would i engage with church to find that and probably the list goes on and on and on. And if you're a person who's part of a church, if you're here worshiping this morning and a regular worshiper, I want you to pay attention to your friendships and your relationships, especially those people who aren't part of church. Maybe look for an opportunity to just ask them, like, why do you think people go to church or why don't people go to church and see, you know, what, what items you might add to the list I just made. There have been lots of good sermons in this teaching series already on how to answer this question, so if you've missed those, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast or find the YouTube video and see uh, how helpful that teaching has been so far. But today, I want to give one particular answer to this question, okay? The the question, why church? My answer today is because the power of the Holy Spirit is working through the church to bring about change in the world. That's why. Why, church? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is working through the church to bring about change in the world. We're going to unpack that answer a little bit today. So let's go back for a minute and ask this question of the earliest church people, the people in the first century who maybe lived with Jesus or lived right after Jesus and were part of this very early church trying to figure out what this was really like if we were to ask those, those folks, like, why church? Like, why are you part of church? What do we think they would say? Well, first, as I thought about that, I thought, well, they probably think it's a real weird question, right? They don't have endless, endless opportunities uh, to engage with church the way we do. Last Sunday, I was at home online in, in worship and I went, I made my kids, poor pastor kid situation, right? Like, I made my kids go to eight different worship services last week, not the whole worship service, just parts of it. But we could sit on our couch and be on YouTube and go from church to church to church to church to church, and they're like, oh, wow, those people wear robes. That's a song I never heard of. I don't know what they're saying. What's going on in this church? And it's awkward, kind of, right? Because you're, like, zipping in and out of all these congregations. We couldn't do that in the first century, They wouldn't have understood the infinite kind of choices that we feel like we have now. But I think if you would have asked them, like, why church? Then they would have started to tell you stories. They would have said, well, have you heard the story of how the followers of Jesus brought healing to this community and this person? Have you heard the story of how God raised Jesus from the dead and now we believe that he really was God's son and we don't have to fear death anymore? Have you heard the stories of the power of God working through these people who are following Jesus? Have you heard those stories? That's why, we go, that's why we're part of this. I think of the story in Acts chapter 3 and 4 where Peter and John are walking to the temple. And there's a guy who's there every day who can't walk. And he asks them for money. And Peter and John say, we don't have any money. But what we have, we're going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Walk. And he gets up. And he walks into the temple with them. And he worships with them. And the people in the community are, of course, amazed and overjoyed. Like, this guy, we've seen him every day, can't walk. Now all of a sudden he can walk. And the religious leaders throw Peter and John in jail overnight, bring him in to trial, and they ask him, like, how did you do this? By what power and what name did you do this? And Peter, who's not a real eloquent speaker just says, we did it by the name of Jesus Christ. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the text says, he just says, it's Jesus' power that did this, not ours. So you have these kinds of stories, right? You have stories of the power of the Holy Spirit doing crazy stuff in their midst that draws other people in to say, there must be something to this, or else a guy who can't walk, walking, that wouldn't happen. So for many people in Acts, it is the power of God that drew them into that first church community. Now maybe you're sitting here this morning and and you think to yourself, yeah, I resonate with this answer. I too can tell stories of the power of God in my life. I know that the power of the Holy Spirit has changed me and has transformed me, and I could tell you about that. And I've seen the power of God impact other people, In my life or through the church. I've seen that. I know that that's true. And so, yeah, why church? Because the power of God is transforming the world through the church. I get that. I want to look at a specific story this morning of Apostle Paul's ministry when he engages with some disciples in the city of Ephesus to just keep unpacking this idea that the power of God is really bringing change to the world through the church. So if you want to read along with me, if you have a Bible, physically or digitally, Acts chapter 19 is where I'm going to read. It says, When Apollos was at Corinth, city of Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they said. And Paul said, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. But on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. That sounds fantastical, doesn't it? Paul encounters these disciples and he starts asking them about their experience of the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And they say, I mean, this is the line that jumped out at me as I was preparing for this sermon, right? We don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. We've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. We have no clue what you're talking about. Well, what did you understand? Well, we understood the baptism of John. In case that's a new reference for you, let me explain it real briefly. John is Jesus' cousin, and he was called by God to prepare people for the ministry of Jesus. And so he was out in the desert, and he was preaching repentance, which simply means hey, whatever you're doing in your life that's not in line with what God wants for you, stop doing that. Turn around, receive God's forgiveness, and kind of rededicate yourself to the way of God, whatever that, whatever that is, right? And so lots of people heard John, and lots of people were baptized in water, like lowered into water and brought out, and they, they were ready, right? Their hearts were like, I'm not going to hang on to this other stuff I was doing. I'm ready for whatever God has next. But Paul's trying to say to him, like, that's not the whole gift You kind of only got like half the gift. And as I read that and thought about it, you know, sometimes the good news about Jesus in churches still today is still taught in this kind of half-gift way. Because the good news is kind of summed down or I think shrunk down to this idea that we're offered forgiveness for sins through Jesus Christ because of his death and resurrection, which we are 100%. But sometimes, at least in churches that I've been part of, that's the end of the good news. Anybody else have that experience? So that we feel like we're forgiven and turned around, but then we're kind of like, what? Now what? And Paul meets these folks and he says, no, it's, that's great. You need to turn away from the stuff that was distracting you from God or against what God wants for you. But then there's a whole nother adventure waiting for you. And if you haven't received the whole gift of the power of God in your life, then that's the next step. I need to give that to you. I need to pray for you and allow you to receive the Holy Spirit. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you see it in the New Testament in several places, put real simply, is just the active receiving of God's presence and power into your heart, into your life, into your community. The baptism of God's spirit is this receiving of God's power and God's presence into your life, into your heart, into the the church family that you're part of. And so Paul, you know, prays for these folks, and this is almost always done by prayer in scripture. Someone prays and they lay hands on people, and if that sounds weird to you, I think it just means like he put his hand on their shoulder and prayed for them, which we sometimes do here at Mill City Church to kind of say like, I'm with you, are you comfortable, can I put my hand on your shoulder while we pray? He lays hands on them, and he prays for them, and they respond, and the scripture says that they respond by speaking in tongues, which we'll unpack here for a second, and they respond by prophesying. And so for some of you, we have a really diverse group of people at Mill City Church. For some of you who come from charismatic or Pentecostal backgrounds of church, you'll be familiar with this idea of speaking in tongues. It simply means in Acts chapter 2, when they were first given this gift, it meant they spoke in languages that they didn't know so that the people who had gathered in Jerusalem who did speak those languages could understand the message. That was the primary gift of speaking in tongues. It also just means a language that people are empowered by God to speak that helps them communicate with God. Prophesying, then, means that they would say things that are true about God. The prophetic word, its simplest definition is just like saying true things about God and sometimes saying things that maybe God thinks is to, God knows is going to happen in the future. And so often when people were offered the Holy Spirit, those were some of their responses. They would speak in these languages they didn't know, to communicate with God and other people and also say things that were true about God. But they're just simply outward signs of this inward reality that these people have received God's Spirit. They haven't just received forgiveness. They've also been empowered by God to be part of the kingdom of God. And Paul knew you can't just have this one. you got to have both of them. And so one thing we learn from this story in Acts chapter 19 is that it's possible to believe in Jesus or to hear about the the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and and believe that, but to not have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that happens. It happens in churches. It happens in individual lives. But we are invited by the Scriptures to receive the Holy Spirit in our lives, both individually and as a church community. And we receive that Spirit by prayer. It's not a complex uh, test that you have to pass. God's not trying to trick you. It's not super spiritual people who receive the Holy Spirit. It's just the people who are willing to go like this. God, I'm open. I need your forgiveness in my life. And I wanna be part of what you're doing and I can't do that on my own. And I need you to be with me and I need you to empower me and I ask you to come and be with me and live with me and, and guide me. And you can pray that for someone else and you can pray it yourself. And God will give you, God wants to give you the power of the Spirit. So I was thinking, um, when I think about this question, why church? There's kind of a, a general question, like, why any church? Why church at all? But then there's also the question, why this church? Why Mill City Church at this stage of your life and the life of this congregation? So I wanted to share a few stories today about, concretely, how have we seen the Holy Spirit, the power of God, working through this church, both today and in the past? And as I started this list, I asked some people for help, Pastor Stephanie, Ashish, and others. The list got really long, really fast. In fact, I have 13 bullets here, which I'm sure you don't want to hear all of those bullets. But there were many, many, many easy examples where we could all say like, wow, yeah, we have seen the power of God through this church in that way. So just allow me a few minutes to tell you a few of those examples. The first one is just about where we are right now. Look around you, for those of you here at Sheridan. This is the 14th school year that we've been in this school. 14th. And it is, yeah, you can clap for that, that's great. We're on um, the third principal in this school since we've been here, and we have enjoyed, we continue to enjoy a true partnership, like the school ministers to us, and we have the opportunity to minister to the school. The school has been hospitable to us for 13, 14 years now and hosted us, and listened to our requests, and helped us to do the things that we need to do on Sunday mornings. And we have had the opportunity, invited by God, to not just exist as a renter in this space, but to become part, relationally part, of the life of the school. To pray for the school, to be part of helping it address its challenges, to build relationships with the principal and the administrators, to do all sorts of things way beyond what happens here on Sunday morning. And some of you may know, like sometimes when new churches begin, as this one did 13 years ago, they look for rented space sort of for a time, you know, like you rent a space until you can afford to build your own church. We could have built our own church a while ago, but that's not what God asked us to do. God has asked us so far, God can always change, but God has asked us to be here and live here and make this our home. And so we have seen the power of God over a long period of time, not a year or two years or three years or five years, but 14 school years with no end in sight to see what can happen, what relationships can be repaired when God calls a church to partner and love a school and be loved by a school. That's what we're learning. A handful of years ago on a Friday, I got a call from one of the engineers that works here who said, I'm really sorry to be the one to tell you this news but you are not you cannot worship there this coming sunday like 48 hours from now which is not a great call for a pastor to get i don't know if you know organizing worship services for several hundred people takes some logistics and so getting a call say you can't be in there is not great on friday but that sent us as a church into a series of steps one being hosted that sunday by one of our wonderful Friends Sanctuary Covenant Church that very Sunday where we said, is it cool if we bring a couple hundred people and all our kids to your worship service on Sunday? And they were like, yeah, yeah, come on over. But then we went to the middle school uh, up in northeast here a little ways, and uh, it was hard, the logistics were hard, but our leadership team and our covenant members kept listening to the situation instead of just being crabby about being out of our space. And what we heard God saying through that number of weeks, a couple months, was, hey, look how you can pick up and move and be a worshiping community in another space. And we saw people come to that worship service from the surrounding area who said, I've been looking for a church. And what we heard God challenging us, we heard the power of God's Spirit saying to us was, hey, maybe it's time for you to reproduce what you've learned how to do and shared it. And in a little bit of time, Pastor JD and Pastor Christian Ann and a whole team of 30 people heard God inviting them to go across the river and start North City Church. And they have done that. And they're now worshiping there. And they're engaged in all kinds of ministry over there because the, the Spirit of God led us to do that. Hear me saying, It's not just like we went in a room and hatched a cool plan to start another church. We got kicked out of our space. And that made us wonder, like, what is God trying to say to us? And here's what it was. And that's what happened. I have heard many, many stories from individual people in this congregation. Mill City far from a perfect church. I know that. But I have heard lots of stories of people who say, I was hurt by church. I had some terrible church experiences. I had bad leaders in my life. And this church has been a place where I could come and sit. I could come and let other people sing for me for a while and I I could heal and I could start to hope that maybe being part of a church was going to be okay for me again. And that's been some of the power of God in our church. Many of you know the story of how the first principal invited us to try to figure out how to feed some of the kids who were experiencing uh, food insecurity on the weekends. And an organization called Every Meal Was Born, which now feeds thousands of kids every week. But that happened right down the hall here because there was a community of people listening and asking God, like, what can you do? What do you want us to do? We want to partner with you. I have heard stories, and Pastor Stephanie's heard stories of people in this last couple years when division in our country and in our relationships has been so hard that they've heard... God leading them, they felt God leading them to say, I'm going to try and create space for my family or my close friends to be together on holidays or whenever and actually still talk to each other even though they have really opposite views. And we've seen the power of God bring peace in some of those relationships. Not all of them, but some of them. We had a situation where a covenant member emailed the leadership of our church and said, hey, maybe you guys should go and look at this building on Randolph Street, 3023 Randolph Street, which is now the Mill City Commons. And maybe maybe this is something that God wants us to do. Well, We had no, no money saved to buy a building. We had no capital campaign. We were a young church. We have no plan to physically own a space. But by listening to that prompt from God's Spirit, and by engaging with the owner of the building and saying, this is who we are, and we can't afford to pay you what you could get for this building, but this is what we can offer to you? And the guy was like, yep, that's what I want the building to do. And, and we got a building and a loan for zero dollars with rental income that covered most of the mortgage from day one. God said, here's your building, in other words. We've had people in marriages in our congregation who thought their marriages were over but have experienced the power of God through the community of this church and now have thriving relationships again. We have a new partnership with the Spiritus Santo Iglesia, a new church that is partnering by using some of our space at the commons and that we get to learn with and learn from and partner with as they launch their church in this season. We have lots of people who have seen the power of God call them to pursue justice from whatever background that they're from to see that God desires there to be just systems, that there'd be just churches, that'd be just workplaces, and that we've had to do a lot of learning and hard conversations and take actions that help us to be the people that God's called us to be as persons fighting for justice. We've become a community that tries to lead as a team. Super important part of Mill City's history. When my wife and I were discerning about how to start Mill City Church, 19 different people, that's what it felt like, told me, you need to meet Stephanie Williams. And so finally I said, okay, let me meet this gal, Stephanie Williams. And I met her at the Bethel Seminary Campus. And I sat with her and I said, Stephanie, here's the story. We don't know each other very well. This is kind of the idea. God's given us this passion to start this church in northeast Minneapolis. Maybe it's something you'd want to be part of. Lots of other people think you would want to be part of this. That note. So here it is. Here's the pitch. And I said to her, hey, maybe you need time to think about this. It's a big decision. Pray about it. Talk to your friends and family. I get it. Like, let me know what you think. And in classic Pastor Stephanie style, if you know Pastor Stephanie at all, she just looks right at me and says, yeah, I've already been praying about that. I'm in. Let's do it. What, what, what's next? What do we do next? And God, she told me later, like God had been speaking to her. She had been having dreams at night. She had been having conversations with people about what a different sort of church might look like that maybe she could be part of and maybe she could provide leadership to. And God had already orchestrated that meeting so that she and I could figure out not just how to lead a new church, but how do you lead a new church in team? How do you share power? How do you share decision making? How do you build a community that's led by a group of people, not just one person or one person's personality? We had a young person um, named Mitch who, when he was 16 or 17 years old, heard an announcement at Woodridge Church that helped get Mill City started and had just become a Christian through a youth group at his high school. And he decided to drive from Wyzetta to Northeast Minneapolis, which I doubt he'd really ever been to before and help us set up this mess of a worship service that we were trying to figure out how to do. Do you know any 16 or 17-year-old kids who get up at 6.30 on Sunday morning to go help people set up worship services? I hadn't met any at that point. But Mitch kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And over the next few years, his whole family started coming to this church, even though they had not been church-going people. And eventually, all the folks in his family got baptized in the Mississippi River down at Boom Island, just a short time before his mom passed from an illness that she'd been battling for many years. But we saw the power of God work through a 16 or 17-year-old kid getting up early and driving down to help this church get started. And the final story, let me invite the band to come back up. You know, last year, real personally, some of you know, like, what a struggle it was for my son, Cole, who got an infection in, leg, in his leg that we couldn't figure out how to get out. And we were in the hospital for multiple weeks, ICU, wasn't going well. And then uh, our friends, Brad and Amelia Rogers from this church, our family called and said, we heard this story. We have an idea of a different medical path that you could take. Would you be willing to come and meet with this other doctor on Tuesday? It was a Sunday night. And my wife and I were just like, yeah, I mean, at this point, yeah, anything. And we went, and within 10 minutes, the doctor looked at my son's leg and said, I know what that is. I know how to fix that. And if, I don't, I mean, if they hadn't intervened in that way, if they hadn't picked up the phone on a Sunday night, probably feeling like they were, you know, interrupting us in some level. If they hadn't done that, I don't know what happened to my son. So you see the power of God, right, through the stories not just way back in the first century, but right now. You see the power of God working through the church. It's flawed. I get it. we got to acknowledge that, too. But you still see the power of God working through flawed humans to bring change in the world. The power of the Holy Spirit looks like this. It looks like healing. It looks like forgiveness, hope, food for the hungry, relationships, transformed physical space like the commons, shared power and decision-making, and being in community with people who don't look like you. The Holy Spirit works in lots of ways, not just speaking in tongues and prophesying, as great as those things are. It also works in really regular ways, like conversations that change your life. Listening to Scripture together over periods of time, praying and listening to God, valuing the gifts of all the people in the community, paying attention every day to how God is present and active in your life, and believing, even in the midst of this insane world that we live in right now, that the power of God is still real. So why this church? Why Mill City Church? because we can see the power of the Holy Spirit working through this flawed church to bring change in the world. And we want to be part of that. So let me just say, if you're on the fence right now, whether you're at home or here, and you're wondering, like, why church? I just want to say real simply, because you don't want to miss the next chapter of what God's going to do. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for working through us. Even when we're kind of a mess, even when we feel like we can't take another step, even when we're not sure what to do, we proclaim that we believe that you can still work through us. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, whether we've ever done this before, we pray that we would open our hearts and our minds, we just put our hands out, and we would pray, Holy Spirit, come on us. Fall on us. Come into our lives. Help us to remember if we've forgotten what it's like to be near you and to feel your presence. Give us confidence again that even though things are hard, you are with us and you can work through us to do the good that you want done in the world. We want to be part of it. Bring forgiveness and healing and hope and peace into our lives and help us to trust you with the next faithful step. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.